Welcome to today's podcast, everyone. A lot of things uh, that have been going on in my heart. I just want to mention in a couple of minutes a few of them with regards to ministering to the Lord. Ministering to the Lord. A lot of times... Our perception of God is that He is a person who will meet our needs. Rightfully, we come to God with our supplications, with our troubles, our various needs. Each of us unique in their own kind. We are in different seasons, in different times, in different locations. And that's good and that's okay. The issue is if we stop there. If our knowledge of God, if our relationship with Him only entails the things that we need, then there is, without knowing, we are making God to be a servant. To be like a boy that we send to the market to get us goodies, to get us stuff. And that's it and that's all. When did we forget that he is our father? And even so, when did we forget that he is our king? If our relationship with God is only about how he will meet my need how he will give me my miracle how he will change my life by that we mean financially and social status and to give you some kind of reputation what have we made God to become in our lives who is God to you is he a father Is he truly your king? I'm telling you, if you're only going to make God to be the person whom you come for your own personal needs, there's a risk that he's just one amongst many gods in your life. That there are many other things that you will go to when you need something. In that sense, he's just but an idol. He is just a plus one. It's only that you put capital G in front of his name. Is that the essence of Christianity? I've met many atheists that have been deceived by this idea of God. And they were disappointed. They were set up for failure. Because when I talk to them, they tell me, I prayed, I fasted, I did all those things you did. He didn't answer me according to what I wanted. He didn't meet my needs, he didn't meet my prayer, therefore he doesn't exist. Ah. So our view of God touches the very core of what we believe in. What do, who do you think he is in your life? What is, who is God in your life? 
friends, let us be careful not to make our God and our Father to be an errands boy for us. I've just been thinking on them on the fact that when was the last time that we really thought about God's needs? His needs or do we think that he doesn't have yes he is all sufficient for sure he doesn't need anyone or anything <clears throat> but you know what he has called us to an eternal love relationship with him and scripture makes it very elaborate that god has things planned out there are things of his will and his purposes that the apostle the apostles in the new testament pray over and over to the church that you will come to the full comprehension of his will they didn't pray that people's lives uh, would have more financial breakthrough or that guys would have their needs met so much again don't get me wrong your needs are important there are crucial things in your life that you need God to intervene in but if you make the relationship with God all around that there's an issue just reflecting on these things makes me to really question which place God has in my life and i pray that you would too so ministering unto the lord i want to invite you to a place of fellowship with god that is called adoration Adoration is a place where I have no other agenda a place that is beyond my needs a place that is beyond even me needing God to sanctify me I know that I am forgiven I know that I am blessed but it is a place yonder it is a place where I can only but sit and worship and adore God. It is a place where words fail us. It's a place where you will no longer be as structured as you think. If today you are told just to do prayers of adoration, I'm sure many of us would be done within a few min- a few minutes. But if we do a f- an overnight prayer session for people's needs we will go beyond the time up to up to morning time people will be there pleading and crying to god but where is that passion and that zeal when it comes to seeking what god wants his desires his will and his purposes that's what we are tackling today ladies and gentlemen when were you so passionate about the needs of our father
I think this is the perception of Christ when he's teaching the disciples ab- about prayer. <clears throat> Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Immediately, his immediate response is to go to the needs of the Father. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Then you can go to your other needs. And I think the elimination of that makes us to miss something deeper in our faith walk with God. Let's look into John chapter 3. John chapter 3 from verse 26 onwards it says so this these are John's disciples coming to John the Baptist and they are saying Rabbi that man who was with you on the other side of the Jordan they are speaking about Jesus the one you testified about look he is baptizing and everyone is going to him So they are coming to him with this religious competition. They are anxious that there is another ministry that has a reason that looks like theirs and that concerns them. Verse 27, this was John's response. A person can receive only what is given them from heaven you yourselves can testify that I am not the Messiah but I am sent ahead of him the bride belongs to the bridegroom friends the bride belongs to the bridegroom there's something about us in the faith that makes us to have some sense of ownership to God and to the things of God. We think think that we can now order him around or that he is there to fulfill what we want. And that's what I want to remind us today. That the bride belongs to the bridegroom. To the minister that is obsessed about meeting the needs of the people. You are so obsessed about meeting the needs of your ship, wanting them to have a good service, wanting to visit them, thinking about them and their lives and their sanctification, wanting to pray for their forgiveness and for their prosperity and for this and for that. And that's okay. And for the congregant that wants to come to the minister so that they can receive those things, their personal needs can be fulfilled. And that's okay. But the problem comes in when we stop there. And so the church becomes just a chronic environment for narcissism, self-love. It's all about us. Now it's all about 
the service being short so that I can finish and go and watch football. Now it becomes about the choir singing the songs that we like and it's like a playlist. Now it becomes about um, looking for pastors that preach the message that I want, you know. And now it becomes... How is, this, how is this church serving me and meeting my needs? And it's all about me and me and me and me. And ministers on the other end are just obsessed with that, trying their best to meet the needs of the people. And we get so entangled in those circles that in the process we lose the deeper things of God. In the temple, in the Jewish temple, the outer court was for that job. The outer court was for ministry to the people. That's where they came to atone for their sins. The outer court is where they came to offer offerings, the outer court is where they came to, you know, to offer things of offerings that God would bless them, that the priests would minister to them and their lives, that they would be blessed and sanctified and consecrated, and things were beautified for their behalf. There was an order of service there. <clears throat> but the inner court the inner court where the Holy of Holies was. That is where the covenant of God was. The things of God's will and God's plan. And once a year, the high priest would be required to go inside. And they would go just to minister unto the Lord without any other agenda, without anything remaining in their hearts or else they would die And they would go inside and the bell must continuously ring. And they may go where the Shekinah glory is. Where the, the presence of God itself lights a room. There's no need for a torch. They would go inside. <coughs> a high priest ministering unto the Lord. Does it, does it meet you as a contrast that the outer court was the one for the needs of the people, but the inner court was the one to minister unto the Lord? If your, if your worship ends at the outer court, there's so much of God that you're missing. There's a reason why you are feeling a dryness. There's a reason why you are feeling some lack of depth, a shallowness that is there in just a church that wants to be so articulate in meeting the needs of the people. How about the inner court? Because the veil has been torn. We told in Hebrews 4 that now that we have these sure and steadfast promises, the promises that God made to Abraham. 
that now we have a hope as an anchor. A hope that goes into the inner place behind the veil where Jesus has gone as a forerunner. And as a high priest in the order of Melchizedek. That is the place where he calls us to. I told in Hebrews again. That Moses could see the face of God and people would be terrified. But as we have been given the privilege to go inside. And to see him face to face. And to be changed by his glory. That Shekinah glory. We are told that since we have a high priest, Jesus, who has gone inside there, in that inner place, one who sympathizes with our weaknesses, that now let us have the confidence to go inside the veil. Let us not stay outside. Let's go inside the veil to minister unto the Lord, that we may obtain grace and mercy for the time of need. Friends, are you accepting the invitation to go to a place beyond? To go to a place where you start to ask God, what is your heart for this season, for this nation, for people? What are your needs? What are your burdens? I want to cry for what makes you cry. I want to have joy for what makes you have joy. That I know that you are not just there to meet my own needs. You have been faithful in my life and I know that. But Father, what are your needs? What are your plans? Let your will be done. Reveal to me the fullness of your will. Friends, the bride belongs to the bridegroom. The bride, the church, was not given for us just for us to remain in the outer court. The church is not just given for our miracles and for our breakthroughs. The church is given for us to know the heart of God. John 3, we continue. Verse 29. The bride belongs to the bridegroom. The friend who attends the bridegroom awaits and listens for him and is full of joy when he hears the bridegroom's voice. That joy is mine and is now complete. Would you dare today to be a friend of the bridegroom, a person who waits and listens? Other version says, a person who stands and listens. Isn't that the complete opposite of ministry today, of church today? Standing and listening. Very, it sounds very passive. It sounds even very unpractical. And I'm not saying that we should be super spiritual, superstitious people. They are just praying all the time. And yet there are places where we can act in wisdom and grace. That's not what I'm saying. Neither am I 
neither am I insisting that we should just be practical people who are just doing pure works. Just being filled with formulas and formats and structures of how to do ministry, of how to do church. Neither of that. I'm asking that if this can be our source, is this our source? A place of standing and listening to the bridegroom. You as a congregant, is this your joy that your pastor pushes you to this place of standing and hearing the bridegroom? Oh, we are so obsessed with our needs. We're so obsessed with our needs. A fast-moving world. And yet we are being asked to stand and to listen. And so now we know that the bride is not ours. Ministries are not ours, even if we name them after our names. And that church, even though you give offering, you are not a shareholder. All that money belongs to God. You don't have any ownership. You are being invited to be a friend of the bridegroom. To function as a person who has joy in listening to the bridegroom's voice. Does our ministry start from standing and hearing? From our place of devotion and prayer, wholehearted, vulnerable devotion, where we just tell God, I want to hear you before I minister. And you as a congregant, as you go to church, as you do church, is that your desire? That Lord, I want to hear you, or is it that you're you're always going with your own personal agenda and expectancy that God would meet you in a miracle and a breakthrough somewhere? That's good and it's right to expect that of God, but do you remain there? Is that all? Is that all, friends? Today I'm inviting you to go beyond. Let's be friends of the bridegroom. who stand to minister to the Lord. We just wait on God to minister to him, to love on him, to adore him. Just to love on him. For you know what ministering means? It means to wait on someone to serve their needs. Just keep Give yourself in prayer and in devotion to ask God what is your need and what is your heart for people and for nations. Your eternal purposes, reveal them to me, Lord. Let them burn in my heart. Your burden for people. John says that his joy is full in hearing the bridegroom's voice. He's not going into religious competition. Perhaps the reason why there's there's a lot of competition and shallowness in the church today and ministries divided is because we are not standing to hear. 
we remain in the religious anxiety of John's disciples, asking that this ministry is there and this ministry is there. And we as congregants will always be looking, our joy will be looking for ministries that speak in a certain manner. That's our joy. And so we start church hopping. And this pastor now uh, speaks. He's a businessman. He speaks in enter. He's a business revolutionarist. He's, he's an entrepreneur. And now this other pastor, wow, I love the way he talks. And so we start going from one church to another and one church to another. So busy from conference to conference, looking for prophet to prophet to prophesy over you, for them to affirm you, for you to feel loved by God. Oh, how I wish we would stand and we would listen to the voice of the bridegroom. Pastors, congregants, how I wish we would stand and listen to the voice of the bridegroom. Because when we do that, we will have the voice of the bridegroom himself. Can you imagine you standing and just listening to someone attentively for a long time? If that person sends you, you're an exact copy, my friend. Perhaps the reason why there's a drought of the word of God. Perhaps the reason why we are feeling a void in our hearts is because there's no voice of the bridegroom. There's corporate, there's a corporate environment. There's an environment of excellence and structure and men that have a certain aura and have a certain presentation that it impresses us but they don't have the voice. They may have the, you can have the words and you can even preach the words, but you don't have the voice. Having the voice means that there's an extra weight of burden and urgency in your voice, that you feel the way the bridegroom feels as the message is laid to you. That can only come from a place of standing and waiting on the bridegroom. Is our, is our joy complete? Or we are looking for more and more ministry for our joy? Let our joy be complete in our closets where we stand and we hear the voice of the bridegroom today. Friends, I pray that you'll be obsessed about the needs of God about hearing, just standing and hearing his heart and what he wants and his needs and his desires, to which Paul prayed that I pray that the Lord, through all wisdom and knowledge and understanding, would unveil to you his will, that the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him would be imparted to you, and that you'll be able to know when the eyes of your understanding are open, to know the riches of the inheritance in the saints, to know the hope of your calling, to know the power that you're given, 
the same resurrection power that raised Christ from the dead. That's my prayer for you today, saints. Let's press on to the inner place. Let's press on to know the heart of our Father. Lord, bless these dear ones that you've given me. (sighs) Shield them from the shallowness of ministry that wants you to, that wants people just to present their needs, that wants you, God, to just be an errand boy that is just sent for the needs of people, that is just wanted when people have a need, when they are guilty of sin, when they are in need materially, when they are in need of this, when they are in need of that. But the Lord, we never pause, we never stand and wait enough to hear your heart. And I pray that today you would start to press upon a burden for them to know you better. Oh, what a joy they will be filled in. I thank you for you hear me in Jesus' name. Amen.